We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And check out the website as well, andyanddon.com. That's all one word, andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, what to do if your taxes are under review? Uh, throw them in a box and run away and don't do anything. I love that. That's the ostrich mentality. That's it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will see me. So have you uh, have you ever been audited or Never. had a review? And no. Not no. even a review. Not even a request for uh, information slip or... No. Wow. I'm just okay. not in your pay grade. You're just, wow. you're just so... <laughs> Under the radar. You're just so regular. <laughs> Keep it quiet, guys. Keep it quiet, please. What's uh, the next topic? <laughs> well, I mean, we are at that crossroad right now where everybody has typically filed their tax returns. You're waiting for your notice of assessment to arrive. And Got it. maybe in the back of your mind, you're thinking... Pretty much everything was spoke right on, but I wonder if I'll ever get. I wonder if I'll get audited. I never even read it. I just cash the check. Yeah, that's um, right. But you bring up an interesting point. Do most people over the course of their lifetime get audited once? Well, there's there's two. There's an audit, and there's a review, and then uh, there's actually is a, a third process called a matching review, and uh, but an audit is point zero point one percent. Right. 0.1%. So your chances... blood pressure higher. Is that the one? Mm. Yeah, that's this is the one that, that will maximize no your blood pressure yeah. mm-hmm. because this typically is a request to provide additional information. But not only that, typically somebody is either... You're going to re- be requested to have an interview and a visit. Oh, and that comes with not... That's an audit, audit. or review? That's an audit. So review, you just have to supply some more information. We're looking into this. Yeah. The audit is, come on down, we'd like to talk to you. Exactly. That, but I think... Is that... That must be an incredibly fr- uh, uh, stressful scenario. This is it, right? And so this is, you know, when I, in, in talking about this today, I'm, I'm really sort of trying to help people with that stress and the anxiety over the audit perspective because, number one... We know that CRA and the federal government is certainly has uh, tax evaders in their crosshairs. Yeah, yeah. there was uh, in last last budget they earmarked uh, the 2016 budget. Actually, they earmarked 444 million dollars yeah. over five years to be spent on crackdown on tax cheats. Yeah. Now, generally, the audit process and this ramped up process mm-hmm. is targeted towards big international companies and at a second tier, those wealthy individuals who are using offshore tax havens. So a lot of the money is being focused in that area. Uh, and it is spread going to be spread out over five years. So this year and the next uh, four years and the aim, they estimate that spending $440 million to crack down on tax cheats will produce 2.6% billion dollars wow. in tax uh, over that period in, mm. re, re, um, yeah. in additional taxes. So I, I'm kind of starting thinking, why wouldn't they do that all the time? Spend mm-hmm. more money to find tax yeah. cheats. If you can spend $440 million and end up with $2.6 billion, mm. that's a pretty good investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if there's that many people cheating, I guess there would be a, um, a diminishing return over time <laughs> as people begin to realize, wait yeah. a minute, you know what? We thought we were going to get away with this, but yeah. clearly um, there is a, a mission to get, keep us on track. There, there must be a connection between raising the taxes and tax cheats. 
Yes, I would agree. So, if so as soon as they readjust the levels, then people... Yeah, well, perhaps whatever yeah. go whatever they're doing, whether they're taking cash under their table, mm-hmm. okay? Or, you know, they're not reporting GST or 53.5% tax bracket. So when taxes go up astronomically, I think they're, you know, fair, fair or not fair, yeah. they may say, you know what, there must be a way around this and it's yeah. not legal. They start looking for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, typically you're going to get a, a letter from CRA that is going to be or notice saying that you're actually either under review or that you're going to have an audit. And again, the majority of us are going to have, we are under review. Mm-hmm. And there can be a pre-assessment review. So before you actually get your notice of assessment back, they could actually send something, can you clarify this? Can you provide additional information? Uh, or it could be a post-assessment uh, review. Right. So you've done it, you've got your notice of assessment back, you think everything's hunky-dory, and all of a sudden, four months later, you get a re- uh, you're, you've been selected, yeah. luckily, <laughs> to be reviewed, and uh, and additional information is required. And you can generally see the trends in terms of what areas or targets. That are, was my next question. Yeah. Is there somebody where the red flag goes up? Yeah. So the 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 the, the red flags are going to be typically uh, rental incomes yeah. and housing properties. So how you're declaring and what you're declaring. And these are all, these are generally areas where you have more uh, flexibility mm-hmm. in terms of your, your uh, reporting. And um, so there'd be that, plus also uh, self-employed mm-hmm. individuals and businesses. And, and that tends to, if you're an employee of somebody, you get a T4, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe you contributed to an RSP, chances, you, randomly you might get picked to submit an RSP receipt just right. to prove that you contributed it. But often right now, and this is an evolution, I think that those review process, that review process uh, uh, will probably diminish to some extent because the third process that they have now, which is called a matching review, that program basically uh, all institutions now are, are stepping up a requirement to submit an electronic version of your T4, your T3, your T5, any tax slip gets sent to CRA. Yeah. So it'll be tagged and coded under your social insurance number, and then they'll be able to do a matching analysis to right. say, okay, wait a second, do you, do you actually... Did you actually report yeah. all those slips? Um, or if there were extra slips or extra things that you claimed. Now, some things are- It's a lot harder to it is going to be, But some was, things yeah. aren't going to be submitted. Like, yeah. you know, all your charitable receipts, they're yeah. not going to be submitted to CRA. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's, again, an honor system. You have to have the receipt. You yeah. have to submit that. And um, the, <clears throat> the other, and the other area, too, is, you know, I think- that review process is happening with students as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of times students, they have uh, tuition credits, they have um, uh, maybe moving expenses, which is another area. Uh, they might have, uh, well, used to have transit, uh, uh, transit yeah. credit as right. well. So, um, or rent, they were paying rent uh, for their accommodation. So a lot of the, a lot of those receipts, which aren't, there's no uh, backup system, they, mm-hmm. they do often ask for those. And I think that the the main process in all of this too is to not be the ostrich. Yeah. And so yeah. once you've got once you've received a notice of a review or a notice of an audit, um, you should probably you got to get on it right away. Yeah. And that's the key. And you think I don't know if you think it's just going to go away if you ignore it. Yeah. You know maybe you think oh geez I don't I can't find that receipt I don't have time. 
uh, then you have to write them back or tell yeah. them, right? And and that's that's key. So the under the matching review process, I had a client uh, that I, I met with this week and discovered that she owes six thousand dollars because she did not submit a receipt for almost thirty three thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and it was um, just a function of her. Uh, husband had they had retired he had switched over to a pension mm-hmm. and then he passed away and never really you know connecting the pension t4 right. before mm-hmm. never seeing one before it didn't get submitted mm-hmm. the tax preparer didn't ask for it because they had never seen one from previous years right. and so this was from 2016 so suddenly a matching review is done and they discover that the institution who had issued that pension t4a uh, had submitted it online to CRA, but when the audit was done, of course, it didn't show up on her tax return. Right, right. So um, roll the clock forward, you know, 12 months, and, and then you're doing the 2017 tax return, and all of this comes to light. The penalties and interest, ex- at, to the full extent of the law, the penalties on that would have been almost seven grand. Wow. Huge. Now, Double the actual tax. It's yeah. the actual tax was six. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. More than double the actual more tax. Than, yeah. More than, yeah. So the, the, the seven grand would have been the uh, penalties on top of that. So they, um, she, they wrote a letter and explained what had happened in terms of her husband's death. And this is a new receipt. And, uh, and I think this is where being proactive mm-hmm. is going to really help you right. versus yeah. ignoring it. Right. So right away, got that off to them. And in fact, they just, they have assessed it, just came back and it is just 6,000. They're going to waive the penalties. The That's good. Right. Yeah. And I think more so often- they're not as cutthroat as you think they are. No. People, people have, you know, you hear the story that once they get the link on you, you're done. Once they get the, the clamp on you. I think it's, um, that's, that's a case-by-case situation. If you're a repetitive uh, misser of receipts right. <laughs> yes. or, yeah. or not submitting receipts, and this mm-hmm. isn't your first time, then uh, your, your risks of being penalized go up and up and up. Right. And, uh, but if you have a history, if you've been had a review audit before, you followed up within 30 days, you provided the information, you were compliant, um, that's not going to go against your record if somewhere down the road, you know, you mess up and you forget. Right. So you're, you're, you'd be in their good books versus their, cause they're just, they're employees like, yeah. like mm-hmm. anybody else. Yeah. And you know, so I'm sitting there at CRA, I've got a stack of files of people that have review audits. I'm trying to clear them off my desk. Mm. And if you're the person who I've got to do like five more months of chasing down mm. and extra letters and follow up and not getting anything from you, yeah. I'm not going to be very sympathetic yeah. to the yeah. whole process. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Again, just remember there are people, most of us, it's just a, a mistake mm-hmm. or, or an error or an oversight, and we're not really trying to rip off the government. Now, on the other hand, if you are trying to, you know, prevent a, a create a situation where, you know, you are cheating, then you're going to be subject to penalties. Yeah. yeah. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you look uh, recently, I guess, um, real estate has been the hot topic. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting. You go back to, say, the late 80s, and everybody was buying houses at that time yeah. and selling them fairly quickly. So they actually stopped calling it a capital gain when they sold it mm-hmm. and considered it income. And they made a rule that basically you can't sell, buy and sell more than one a year. Right. And if there was a few, I didn't know exactly how it came, if how many in a row you can do, but it, they treat it as income, which has twice the tax as a capital gain. Yeah. Now with these rentals, as Andy was just men- mentioning, if you show a rental loss, and, I, and, and most of the time when you, you buy a unit, um, it's, you show a bit of a loss that first year. Well, if interest rates start to rise, 
there's a good chance you're going to show a loss and a loss and a loss. And, the, and Revenue Canada or CRA does not like the fact that you're going to lose money every year. The idea that you can write off expenses is on the basis that you're eventually going to make money. Mm-hmm. But if you if you constantly lose money on, on what, whether you're self-employed or whether it's a rental unit, and you lose 10 years in a row, never a sign of a profit, then they will actually deny all those deductions. And therefore, they can go back years, and you'll end up with a big tax bill. Wow. So for those people right now that have gotten into the real estate game, which a lot of people have, be careful about the rental income. It's not bad to all of a sudden show a gain every so often, right. and then maybe do an improvement mm-hmm. and then show a loss another year. Right. But you, if you if there's no sign of a profit, you'll definitely um, might have CRA calling on you eventually. And mm-hmm. that and that just as a reminder, um, you know, we you're required to keep all of your receipts for six years mm-hmm. and keep them handy. So that makes the process easier in terms of submitting mm-hmm. anything. But when it comes to property, keep everything until that property is sold. Yeah, yeah. You've got to hang on to it mm-hmm. uh, for as long as you own that property and, uh, and and you can't just abandon it after six years. Mm. All, right. All right, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now, leave a message. They will return your call. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And take a look at the website, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there. And, of course, ask a question via the Lessner Inquiry button. Ten steps to mastering your money. Yes. It's as easy as just ten steps. Is it really? Oh, simply. No problem at all. Number one, you won't get this one, Scott. Now, are you going to start from one or ten and go down? I'm going to start one. Okay, there you go. We can all keep track. The one is the most important. It is number number one thing you need, and we've said it before, is have a plan. Yeah. It seems so, so obvious. It's so simple. So simple that 69% of people don't have one, hmm. okay? And really, it's funny. If you have a plan, it doesn't matter if you have a vacation plan. It drives your decisions. Yeah. Okay, where are we going to tr- travel to? What hotel should we stop at? Um, how much can we afford? Like, there, it goes through. So sick, pl- it really plans your decisions. And, and the di- questions are obviously different if, you're, if it's about retirement or your money. It's like, when can I retire? Yeah. If you have a plan, you have a pretty good idea. Um, how much can I spend? Um, when I go away, it's not just, I think it's okay at this way, you know, <laughs> and you, at the same time, you have to update that plan. So it's not just one. So oh, I did that plan 30 years ago. I'm good. Well, things have changed probably a fair bit mm-hmm. and therefore you should update the plan annually is ideal, but you know, um, if things don't change too much in one year, maybe every other year. Okay. But certainly continually updating is great. Uh, mistakes people make when they are doing some planning is they under, underestimate their spending. How often, Andy, do we go and see somebody and they say, I don't know, we make a fair bit of money, but at the end of the year, we just don't seem to have any. Where does it go? We don't. Mm-hmm. And you go through their expenses and it seems like, wow, you should have a lot. And then all of a sudden things come up. Mm. Oh, yeah, my daughter needed this. Oh, yeah, we had that major car repair. You don't put car repairs in your plan, do you? Absolutely, we do. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> underestimating your spending is one thing. And number two is we think we're invincible. We think everything's going to go tickety-boo. Nothing's ever going to go wrong. Mm. It's not planning for any No unexpected. accidents, no injuries. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. There's no- Health's no, great. <laughs> not, that windstorm never happened that we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, or a nice storm before that. You know, things such as that. 
Um, I was at a client's house not long ago, right after the windstorm. All they saw was a big bucket of shingles on their yeah, lawn. Okay. Yeah. And uh, now they got a roof. And a lot of people had patches. I know my father, he paid for a big Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> $400 yeah. for a Band-Aid until yeah. the guy could come over yeah. and actually fix it. So, again, having having kind of a slush for that unexpected event. Um, and also, the number three is kind of interesting. People are either too optimistic about the returns. So, yeah, I... You know, my return the last five years has been 10% a year. So I've, I've used 10% as my retirement return. Well, that's probably a little high. Yeah. Okay. Because the last five years have been actually very good, above average. On the other hand, people are often way too conservative. I got to save way too much more money. I'm only making, you know, if I get a 2% rate of return, I need to save 10,000 a month. I only make 8,000. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to be realistic. And when Andy and I do a plan, we take into account what we find is a realistic amount of return above inflation. Tips. Uh, probably the best tip, and we hear it all the time, is start young. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I remember meeting someone that started at 18. Good for them. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And um, I mean, they're always bragging. They're, I'm going to be a millionaire by, I'm this, by the time I'm this age. And he probably yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah. Thing is, it gets ingrained in you. It's yeah. not simply the amount they're saving then. Yeah. It's the fact that they've created a it's habit. A discipline, yeah. You got it. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I had one that started, he was 14. Really? Yeah. I even tried to talk to him. And how's your son doing now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he didn't. He wasn't one of them, unfortunately. No, he did do very well, too, but he wasn't the 14 year old. Um, But this 14 year old, I said, okay, he's newspaper route. That guy's going to be a CEO. Yeah. I said, let's just take $50 a month out of your 100 you make. Yeah. What did they do? He saved the other 50 in his bank account. So I came back a couple of years later, he had all this money in the bank account. Wow. I said, Don, I told you I was going to save that money. Wow. <laughs> so, and here he is. Uh, he's now in his 40s and he's very doing quite well. Yeah, good for him. So, uh, re- review annually. Um, again, like we just talked about, don't set it and leave it. You got to look at it. And uh, plan to live. Okay. Don't just um, save. Saving is no fun. It's, it's okay fun, but the act of saving Tell the 14-year-old. <laughs> he's loving it. He, right. he loved it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I told the 14-year-old. <laughs> I said, spend it. Have some fun. Yeah. He didn't. He, he wanted to spend... He Buy a skateboard, <laughs> anything. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> but plan to live because it's kind of funny. If you don't learn to spend a little bit of money while you're going through life stages, mm. by the time you do retirement, that kind of golden years, you don't know how to spend money. So you can't change your habits. Right. You're still in saving mode. Does that really yeah. happen to that many people, though? I'm guessing the majority of the people, it's the other way around. Absolutely the yeah. other way yeah. around. <clears throat> but it's funny. It's one or the other. Yeah. And we as uh, financial planners, we try to be, not only get them to save, but I'm once you've retired, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work trying to get them to spend. Yeah. And why do you get that new computer? This thing's like 12 years old. No. Okay. And it says, oh, I don't need it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not about need sometimes. It's because they haven't learned to spend. Yeah. And- in trips and having fun, it's almost like because they're they're so programmed to save, it's flicking yeah. that switch. Yeah, and it's a hard feel guilty s- about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So so th- those are the that's having a plan. Now number two, pay yourself first. Kind of goes back to just saving money, but it's actually interesting. Right now, the savings rate is currently four point two percent. It's not a high rate. Um, actually, in two thousand thirteen, it was six point two percent. So the saving rate has dropped. And the reason is, is because people have gone into debt. We've mm. talked about that. Housing prices have gone up. Um, people mm-hmm. can take on more debt because the interest rates were very low. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the savings rate's gone way down. So again, you have to pay yourself first. And probably the best way of paying yourself first is through a group plan. 
always look at your group plan. Even I, I talked to my uh, daughter recently. She's got a, a new job. And the uh, first thing I said, so what's this? How's your group plan work? I said, well, I can't get in it for, you know, six months. Yeah. And I said, well, is it matching? Oh, yeah, they match X amount percent. I said, well, that is your first thing. Yeah. You do that first. <clears throat> you do, we cannot. If it's a 50% matching, yeah. Andy and I cannot guarantee you a 50% return plus whatever. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, it's a great way to save. And it comes off your paycheck. We we yeah. can't get on it. We can't get people's paycheck. We get it out of their bank account. Works for the teachers. It's exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and any of the defined benefit plans where it just comes out, no question. And then uh, number three, create a workable budget. And this is where it's uh, interesting. I, I find that some planners are almost overzealous about people just having to save. They save their brains out. Like, oh, you have to save this much, this much. If you save all this, you'll get that. That's great, but you got to account, as we just said, account for some fun because what's going to happen, it's kind of like somebody going on a, in a diet and say, I got to lose 20 pounds. And they go gangbusters for a week, starve themselves. And then they said, that's it. I'm off. I can't do this. Yeah. It's not doable. And same with a, a, a proper budget should have fun in there so that it's palatable. You're enjoying life and you're saving money. So you're having, you're finding that happy median. So financial planning is a lot like a diet. <laughs> there is a lot of similarities, actually. <laughs> Discipline. Yeah. 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 And I know, Andy, you... Follow the course, stick yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going through exercise. I know there's courses, uh, you know, we've all talked about. Um, we've seen clients' weights go up and down. But I had uh, one recently. He, uh, I didn't think he was that overweight, but he went from 190 down to 150 over mm. a course of a year. Wow. And mm-hmm. he followed an app. Mm. It was called My Fitness Pal. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's quite interesting. It, and he plugs in his exercise. Yeah. He plugs in what he's eating. And he was very disciplined. And now it's part of his lifestyle. He's kind of gone off. He doesn't need to. And his weight hasn't changed now for months. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's just finding that new habits. Yeah. Because I think we all fall into habits like maybe grabbing mm-hmm. a bag of potato chips before you go to bed and mm-hmm. watching the TV. Yeah. Probably not a good habit if no. you're trying to lose weight. No. no. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So you have to have a, a kind of a palatable budget that takes into account reality. But you know, it's funny when you think about uh, going on a weight loss program and something has to have clicked in your brain, right? Yeah. You've, something has caused you, you to, to want to do it. So to make a decision yeah. to want to do yeah. it. Yeah. You, people can tell you, uh, <clears throat> Well, you could try this diet. You could do this yeah. diet. You should exercise. You could, they can tell you to your blue yeah. in your face. Yeah. And same thing with stopping smoking. Or yeah. something, you yeah. know, until, yeah. you until, you're ready. until you mentally decide and you're ready, yeah. uh, it's very difficult to introduce those strategies. Now, when it comes to financial planning, you know, and you start talking to somebody about saving at age 20 or mm-hmm. 18 or 14, mm-hmm. you know, what, what clicked in their brain? to make them, uh, yeah. yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And whereas others, uh, you know, they're 55 yeah. and I've got to retire in 10 years. Now it sets in or, you yeah. know, or I've had a heart attack. Well, maybe I'll lose weight now mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. something triggered it to actually flip yeah. the switch and make you motivated yeah, to, to change your behavior. And, it, and it's kind of interesting in, in saving money, you'll have one sibling Who's a saver? One sibling's a spender. Same mm-hmm. parents yeah. or spouses yeah. too. Yeah. Spouses too. Yeah. So it's it. There's a personality that goes with it, but unfortunately, with a diet, sometimes you can say, "Okay, I'm going to lose weight. I'm I'm 40 years old, and it, there's no real long-term life effect. You'll probably have a very good long life. Mm-hmm. But if you procrastinate with finances, you cannot catch up those lost years. Yeah. That compounding money that you would have started at 20, it's very difficult because you'd have to save so much more now yeah. to make up for it. So mistakes people make when working on a budget. 
they spend without knowing what they can afford. And this goes back to having a plan. If you just don't have a plan, you don't really know. You might have in your mind what you can afford, but it may not be the right number. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. So there's, everybody has a budget in their head. It might be, it may not be a proper budget, but they, everybody does have a budget. They have a lifestyle and they're spending money. They're making money. There is a budget in place. It's not written down, yeah. but there's a budget. Yeah. Um, number two mistake, and this is a big one, is credit card debt. Do mm -hmm. not pay the 20% interest rates. Mm -mm. The next worst thing to that is payday loans. Actually, yeah. I'd say that's worse. But credit card debt, um, that means you are, that's a good sign. If you can't pay off your credit cards, it's a good sign that you are out, you're outspending <laughs> your money. You gotta slow down. You are definitely yeah. going too much. You're, yeah. you're not within budget. And uh, you use after-tax dollars, okay? Some, it's funny, uh, when my kids got their first job, they said, oh, dad, I make X amount of dollars. You know, divide that by 12, that's so much a month. This is going to be great. I'll be able to pay off my student loan in no time and blah, blah, blah. It says, you got to pay income tax. Well, yeah. how much would that be? Can't be that much, right? Uh, yeah, it's actually quite a bit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no way. I got to pay $800 a pay or $500 right, to the government. Yeah. yeah. And then they, then all of a sudden they're, their vote on who their political party might change. So, <laughs> Well, you know what? I remember being a young guy and starting to learn money and then one day getting hit with a tax bill. I've told this story a bazillion times, getting hit with a tax bill. And I'm thinking, what? You yeah. know, it's like writing a check and throwing it out your window. Yeah. And that's what first got me to my financial plan. It's then the next year, you get that much back. Oh, right. It's, it was, you know. It's motivating. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's anger. It's <laughs> anger. <laughs> anger motivated. Oh, yeah, but like, oh, I got to write this. That's I might, okay. You got to get well, mad sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You, you might as so write it to yourself as opposed to the government. Yeah. Whatever gets you to start early, it yeah. doesn't matter. The yeah. fact is people start and yeah. that makes the biggest difference. If we, if we could tell you how many people said, geez, I just wish I met you 20 years ago. Yeah. We, we heard that so often. And, you know, fortunately we've been dealing with people 30 years now. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting the opposite. I am so glad mm -hmm. that we met you 30 years ago. I would not be in this position today. And it's quite rewarding yeah. as financial planners to see be, come to fruition. To see that. And, exactly. uh, and, even then, they, it's hard. You guys are just old enough now that you're seeing all these well, yeah, things exactly. come to fruition. <laughs> yeah, you see the other end. You guys are all retiring together. Uh, who who would have thought? <laughs> hey, this yeah. stuff really works. Yeah, really. Um, and so tips is prioritize your spending. And number two, this is a big one, comparison shop. Okay, comparison shop. If you save $20 on, on an item, that's like $30 before tax. Mm -hmm. So if you had to make $30, if you're making $15 an hour, that's two hours worth of work just so that you could comparison shop. If you're making $30 an hour, that's an hour's worth of work because mm -hmm. it's, uh, these are, when you're spending, it's after-tax money. Yeah. Um, number four, funny enough, is just make more money. Go get a better job. Some people get kind of stuck in a rut and there's jobs out there that could pay more. And a lot of the companies offer education for free or subsidized. Yeah. Take advantage of that because there's a book called I Move My Cheese or How I Move My Cheese. And it's basically about staying relevant. How I Move My Cheese? Yeah. Yes. Move My Cheese because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Who Move My Cheese? That's what the name of the book, Who Move My Cheese? But it's because you're doing I'm the same not sure thing. that's even right, Don. It is. It oh, is. I'm sorry. It's guaranteed it is now. I can guarantee that. I'm biting my tongue. Yeah. But it's all about staying relevant because people do the same thing. Let's say you worked on a machine and that machine is no longer relevant anymore. Technology has yeah. changed it. Yep. And you never upgraded your skills. Mm -hmm. So who, who's going to hire you? Yeah. And so staying relevant is very important. Where'd your cheese go? Yeah. Yeah. You got to <laughs> move your cheese. Go find your own. So again, use that company pay education. Uh, 
Number five is, is have healthy debt versus bad debt. Um, good debt is basically buying things that appreciate. Yeah. A house. Mm-hmm. Bad debt, things that depreciate. Mm-hmm. Car. Okay. Big screen. <laughs> Big screen. Um, and also, if, if you can have your debt tax deductible. So if you borrow for investment purposes, other than a home, the, the quite often, the, the interest you're paying is tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you couldn't make your debt even better. Okay. And uh, really shop around with interest rates too. Because interest rates could be very different from one institution to another. Mm-hmm. And again, makes a big difference. Uh, number six, reduce your taxes. A good financial planner does take into account tax. So if your ta- financial planner is not going through your tax return, not asking anything about taxes, then you probably got maybe just an investment planner. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of liken it to a general contractor. A general contractor will hire a carpenter, will hire a plumber, electrician, yeah. uh, an architect, and put the whole plan together. That's really what a financial planner is, except for money. So mistakes, people don't deduct all they can. And uh, probably one of the biggest ones might be the disability deduction. Because quite often they just are in, in that denial mode that are, they're not disabled. And another little tip is to make sure you name all your beneficiaries on your RSPs and TFSAs. So that way you can avoid probate. Hmm. Number seven, don't buy too much house. Okay, remember house is a lifestyle purchase and uh, you can be house poor. You mm-hmm. might have a house, but you can't do anything in it. Mm-hmm. So what good is that? That's not mm-hmm. fun. Uh, so number two would be, you know, you can rent it out, but you know, when you're renting it, um, re- look at the re- uh, rental yield. Look at what you're actually making. Mm-hmm. It only might be 1%. Mm-hmm. It may not be that great of a, a return. And uh, number four in terms of uh, a house is to try to be at all possibly mortgage-free at retirement. Makes such a difference. I got a few more to go here. Okay. So we'll do that after the break. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them a couple of ways. The website, andyanddon.com, or you can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out the website, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there as well. Ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Or, of course, you can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165, and they will return your call. All right, 10 steps to mastering your money. Yes, down to the final three here. And uh, so number uh, eight would be... Your real retirement date. So 65 these days particularly has just become a number. Yeah. In fact, the average age of retirement is 62. But I had a recent person retire um, at, at 90. And Yikes. he was running a company. And uh, it's kind of funny. We, he couldn't pass it on to his son mm-hmm. because his son was too old. <laughs> his son was already retired. Yeah, his son's 65. Oh, man. So he, he didn't want to run it at that age. So, again, your number is your number. Um, as long as you're happy. Doing when you're do you doing. pick that number? Good question. Does it change when you're 50? Like if you're 50, ah, this is the number. 60, it oh, it's change. changed again. Oh, 65 is going to change again. Health makes a big difference. Yeah. People feel good um, and they enjoy what they do. Then uh, they may work, but they actually may cut down the hours. Yeah. And that's the other part is consider part-time. You know, like phase in your retirement. Don't yeah. just go cold turkey. Yeah. You know, maybe the last five years you work three days a week. Yeah. And it's uh, it's more palatable. Also helps you get ready for retirement a bit better. 
So, but mistakes that people do make, plans do get derailed. So having that flexibility on your retirement date helps. And again, like I did talk about earlier, spend along the way or you'll never figure out how to spend. I think that becomes an issue for people, um, you know, and I have conversations when I hear somebody say, you know, my uh, good friend of ours was 58 and just passed away. Yeah. A good friend of ours was 62 and passed away. And, and I'm still working and I think, you know, it could happen to me. And so their perspective changes dramatically. And sometimes that could be a healthy decision. Other times it's just sort of a knee-jerk reaction, yeah. I think. And maybe they're not really ready to retire, right. but they often feel... A suddenly a pressure yeah. to to figure it out because this is happening around the mortality is sort yeah. of the reality of mortality is setting in and you want to be able, you don't want to retire and have like two yeah. years of retirement and it's all over yeah. yeah pretty sure every time my wife and i go to a funeral mm. we always we usually go somewhere we have a drink somewhere okay mm. we reflect yeah and say so you know we got to really really live life to its fullest yeah and then that goes away and then we're back at the office the next day but it is this part of wanting to you know find that number that makes sense to you mm -hmm. and uh, making sure you're happy because you only go around once and make sure you make the most of it and making the most of it is only allowed by having a proper financial plan because mm -hmm. it's hard to make live the life that what you want if you never followed any kind of uh, plan at all because next thing you're just a victim to your bad planning mm -hmm. or lack of planning um, number nine teach your kids nothing better then teaching your kids early, so like 20 year old or 14 year old, so that they start early themselves. Mm -hmm. um, this might be a little selfish. First of all, you want them to do well, but selfishly, you don't want to be part of that sandwich generation yeah. where you're also supporting your kids when he's 40 mm -hmm. or she's 40. And you're also looking at uh, helping your parents in an old age home or a senior's home because they didn't have a proper plan. Yeah. And so teaching your kids is a very good idea. And finally, play the long game. Um, equities are definitely the key to a, a good performance in your in your portfolio. Um, if that wasn't the case, our Canada Pension Plan wouldn't have a, a very large portion in stocks. Mm -hmm. Our teacher's pension plan wouldn't have a 75% in stocks. And most pension plans have a very teacher's pension. It doesn't matter which one. They all have a very large portion in stocks because they do, after inflation, they have the best performance. Mm -hmm. Now, the mistakes people make, emotions get in the way. And by having... Being an emotional investor, you probably won't do well. And so don't get swayed by the noise would be the second mistake. The media is probably the worst. They're trying to sell papers and eyes and ears, and they're trying to get listeners and viewers. Well, that's why they're going to be very startling with their, with their comments. So tips is long-term is all about compounding returns. Einstein said man's greatest invention is compound interest. <laughs> Short-term is speculative. So if you're looking at somebody you're talking to uh, around the water cooler, if you will, and they're saying, oh yeah, I bought this stock at that and I sold it at this, blah, blah, blah. That's speculative. Hey, great that they made a killing on Bitcoin or whatever, but it could have gone the other way. And number three, and very important, is make sure you're getting value from your planner. If your financial planner isn't giving you a lot of these things that we just talked about, then you probably need a new planner. You need a planner that is looking at the big picture and going over all aspects of a financial plan that includes estate planning, retirement planning, cash flow, education planning for the kids, life insurance, and investment planning. Mm -hmm. And investment planning is just part of the plan, not, not the only plan. And speaking of investment planning, talking about 
dynamically diversified investing, and this is a a as you know Donna's talking about, you're, you're trying to create a model or a recipe around your investment strategy, and the value of doing that process is enormous because it provides discipline in case the stock market goes down. And conversations that we're having with clients recently is is really about that. And you know, 2008 was our last big crisis that everybody remembers, right? Mm-hmm. And the stock market went down 25 percent. You know, if you weren't retired, that created a lot of stress. But it, if you were retired or recently retired, yeah. retired, that had created even more stress. Mm-hmm. But a, a proper asset allocation model creates discipline around how you're going to respond in a situation like that and what strategies you're going to use. So the the concept then is you want to, you know, obviously build your, use your assets and spread them amongst different asset classes, stocks, bonds, cash. And that really takes advantages of the fact that long-term investing is really about market volatility and how you can take advantage of that volatility over time. And we know that over time, markets always move higher. Mm -hmm. So that is the key component. And when you're creating a diversified portfolio, you want to have, um, you want to look at the correlation between your investments. In other words, you don't want them all to be moving in the same direction at the same time. If something is going down in your portfolio, you need something else that would be offsetting that and going up Mm -hmm. and that reduces your volatility. But the two main types of uh, asset allocation today are basic static asset allocation and dynamic asset allocation, and we'll touch on both of those when we come back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out the website, andyanddon.com. As well, you can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at the website, andyanddon.com. We're talking about asset allocation. Yeah, and, and really there's the two types of asset allocation that people are using today, the static or, or uh, basic asset allocation, which basically establishes a, a mix or a recipe of your holdings across across different asset classes, different geographic regions, and then suited to your own objectives in terms of time frame and the type of goal and your risk tolerance. By contrast, the other type of asset allocation, what we call dynamic asset allocation, and it's more guided by a strategic asset allocation mix. And what we're basically then doing is looking at some target allocations instead of fixed allocations. And based on market conditions, those targets give some flexibility then to optimize the return and reduce the impact of shorter uh, fluctuations. So in other words, take advantage of something if there's some momentum going on in a certain area uh, or else uh, protect the portfolio by becoming more defensive if that situation is occurring. And and, and so an example might be in the asset allocation model or a static asset allocation model. If you're a moderate risk investor, you might have 60% of your money in stocks and 40% of your money in bonds. In the dynamic asset allocation model, that 60-40 would have a 10% leeway. So you could go as high as 70% stocks or as low as 50% stocks and correspondingly increase or decrease your bond portfolio. So these are what we call portfolio funds, and they are typically being managed by a team of professionals. And I think one thing that's that's key about money management, and particularly when it comes to a mutual fund, whether it's an asset allocation, basic asset allocation, static, or a dynamic, is that money doesn't sleep. 
And you know, I know for investors group, we have offices in Hong Kong, we have offices in uh, Dublin, Ireland, in Europe, and we have offices both here in Toronto and uh, in Winnipeg. And those portfolio managers are in communication on an ongoing basis. Your money is always working for you. And those team, the team of professionals that are managing money around the world are looking for opportunities to protect your capital or enhance it by growing it. And, and it's a full-time job. And so when you think about uh, a lot of times today, people are, are considering, well, I'll just buy the market by getting an index fund, which say uh, mirrors what's going on in the Canadian stock market. And that is a, a static approach where there is no real, um, any kind of uh, activity or action going on. It's yeah. just basically mirroring what it is. And the problem with that particular strategy too, is that the Canadian stock market is heavily weighted in just three sectors, financials, energy, and materials. And so 66% of the, of the Canadian market is covered by those three types of investments. So to be properly diversified, have a proper asset allocation model, you need to consider global and you need to consider um, how to make sure that you don't have the same correlation. You don't want things to be going in the same direction at the same time. And and people's risk profiles can change. And I'll give you an example. I had a, a couple who retired recently. He was a DeFasco retiree, and they were both age 62. Uh, and this was three years ago. And when the money came over, a lump sum from DeFasco, he, we tested and looked and talked about him, and, and it, he was conservative. Mm-hmm. And so his portfolio, his RSP, was 70% sort of safer fixed income investments and 30% stock. So he was taking some risk, but really the goal was no risk at all. Right. Within 12 months, he passed away. And his wife over the last two years who took over the investments has been going through a lot of change. And only recently did we have a chance to review everything again and, and bring her up to speed, review of her taxes and uh, going forward, et cetera. And what we did is we retested her risk profile. And if her husband was a number one on the risk scale, she was a number four. Mm. She was moderate aggressive. Yeah. And which was a stark contrast to what him and she said, I know he was conservative. I know he, you know, he always wanted to make sure things were going to be stable, lower return, but stability was the key. And I, so we talked about, you know, here we are in this market condition. What do you, do you feel comfortable with accepting more volatility? And we talked a lot about some what if scenarios and she over and over again kept saying, yes, I understand. Yes, I, I agree. Hmm. And she's only, she's just turning 65 and she's yeah. thinking I've got 20, 20 to 25 years of life left. So I'm still a long-term investor and I'm willing to take on more risk. So right now we're, and she, they were doing fine. Three and a half percent was the rate of return. Uh, for them in their RSP portfolio with very little, with very stable uh, returns. In fact, this first quarter, 2018, where the stock markets were down, many of those moderate aggressive number four portfolios were down one to 3% negative Mm -hmm. return year to date. Her conservative, his old conservative RSP portfolio was actually up 1% Mm. for the Mm. quarter. So again, it shows how the purpose of what that was supposed to do was to avoid volatility. But- uh, so all things said and done, 
people's risk change, but having the right asset allocation model is key. And so now we're in a process where we're going to slowly, over the next uh, you know 12 to 24 months, begin to shift her portfolio into a more aggressive model. And that's not an issue even at her age? It's not an issue at her age. It, 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 it'll, it may become an issue at her age because she hasn't truly experienced a lot right. of volatility. So this is why we're going to take it one yeah. step at a time and ease her into this. But really, when you're thinking about now moving more money into stocks, the best time to buy stocks is when they're low. Yeah. You want to buy yeah. when they're buy when things are on down and on sale, and you want to sell when they're high. Mm-hmm. So we're we're going to sit back and wait a little bit. Maybe there is some volatility coming in the market. If there is or anything significant, that'll be a good flag or a trigger for us to, to then test her metal. Mm. Will she buy in a period of volatility? And that'll be a good test to know where she should be going forward. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Leave a message for them at 905-529-7165. They'll return your call and take a peek at their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great Thanks, week. Scott. Thanks, Scott.